This is the Gary V Audio Experience. George, sad, Gary. Take yourself off mute as well. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Hi, Gary. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm from Bulgaria, seven hours after your time at the moment. It's seven in the evening. Um, I'm running a real estate brokerage. It's um, called Primo. And we have 30 agents here in Bulgaria. And uh, I'll be delighted to discuss some questions with you. Thanks again. Are you sure you're not in my office, my friend? Uh, I would love to be, but unfortunately, I'm not. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, and now up to Seattle, Washington, Jeremy, uh, who's uh, going to be bringing a bunch of uh, CEOs into the 40s over the next few months. Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and say hi to Gary? Thanks, Joe. Good morning, Gary. Jeremy Hill uh, from Seattle. We run a company called JB Capital. Uh, we invest, uh, make credit investments across the SME landscape across the country. I've been talking to Joe and James for a while and have uh, one of our portfolio companies, Ryan, along with us today. So happy to share some time. Real pleasure, my friend. And with that, Ryan Hogan. Uh, Ryan, put yourself off mute and say hi to Gary. Hey, Gary, Ryan Hogan, uh, co-founder and CEO at Hunt a Killer. Um, I, I know that sounds pretty pretty crazy, but we send immersive <laughs> uh, murder mysteries each month um, episodically, and we have uh, we have our eyes on digital. So great to meet you. I love it. Real pleasure, Ryan. And down here in Cali, we've got Russell McDonald. Russell, say hi to Gary. Hey Gary, how's it going? Russell McDonald. I am a mortgage broker in the San Francisco Bay Area. Real pleasure, Russell. Thanks for being a part of this. Thank you. And in California as well, we've got Dylan. Dylan, say hi. You're on mute, buddy. Hi Gary, this is Dylan and uh, I'm from Bay Area as well. Uh, we run a, a direct-to-consumer dental product company called Jess Dental Lab. We make custom night guard for people who grind their teeth at night. A very important product. Yeah, they help people sleep better. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Real pleasure, Dylan. And Same here. We've got Ace and Jamie. Ace and Jamie, say hi. Hey, Gary. How you doing, buddy? Ace and Jamie here. Hi. Real pleasure. Great to see you guys. <laughs> uh, we run FMO Media out of Long Island, New York, and uh, we help businesses grow their revenue through social media marketing, and we are pumped to be here and learn. Uh, so let's go back and we'll start with George over in Bulgaria. George, uh, you've got your moment in the sun with Gary. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and say we're going to try to aim for 12 minutes, but uh, bear with me. So. Uh, George, go ahead and uh, start firing off some questions for Gary V. So, uh, Gary, first of all, um, sorry if I'm being so nervous. Um, second of all, congrats on the video that you posted today on Instagram and on no video. It really pumped me up for the full team. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, talking about the Talking about uh, our real estate brokerage, uh, I've heard you a lot of times saying that if you do a real estate brokerage, it will be the best in the world. I don't doubt about it. Um, really, I have two main issues, if I have to ask you, and both of them are lead generation, because I have two core pillars in my business. The first of all is lead generating sellers that sell uh, properties. Uh, same in the U.S., the inventory is very low, so we have to find um, uh, ways to, you know, to creative, creatively attract sellers and, and, and do the strategy, I mean, the, 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 the funnel. And the second one is my scale is obviously based on quality real estate agents. We don't uh, specifically aim to attract uh, experienced agents. Uh, the idea is to communicate with the world 
the benefits of our company and we recently launched a program of uh, 100% commission for the agents. You have it in the States with uh, Keller Williams, with EXP Realty. They have these cap commissions, 100% commissions, which actually after they uh, placed a specific amount of money in the office for a 12-month period, the rest of the months until the 12 months, they take the commissions 100% which is good for us because we do our annual budget and it's good for them because they bring home a lot of money, which is really interesting. So, so basically my question is how Gary would do the, um, the, the Gary way seller attraction and the real estate agents attraction with uh, Kevin in mind this hundred percent commission split. Um, let me break it down for you. So I think on the, let's talk about the real estate agents and let's talk about it in real life. How six? How many do you have? Let's start with that. And and what? How does the percentage of, let's call it exceptional, good, and average of that? You know, what percentage are exceptional of those thirty five? Out of thirty five people, which is uh, like fifteen percent. And how many are good? Then then we have, uh, let's say. Well, I have about five at the bottom. So that means that 20 are in the middle. So I think, you know, I think, I think that um, the, the way to think about it is a couple things. One, you're only, as, if you're not going after, there's two ways, not going after experienced agents or going after experienced agents, right? To me, I'm always gonna go after not experienced with a couple of experience. So you get a couple of experienced because you need it but I would spend all my time and energy on the training so that you could take literally bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, people that just want to get into it. What I've noticed from a lot of real estate brokerages is that they don't have a good training program and they're not actually committed to it. They're rolling the dice and they're hoping they get good people. They're not cultivating good people. I got it. So the way I would do it is I would spend more money than most people would expect on one, two, three, four, or, me, George, me, Gary, spending a lot more time training up people. Most people don't want to do that because they always worry that, well, if I trade them up and they get good, they might leave. It's a waste of time. The problem is you're in the business of people, right? That's the same problem I have at VaynerMedia. That doesn't stop me, right? And when you're a good person and you do the right thing, you can have a situation like I have with James and Joe and many people in my company where people stay a long time, not just a couple of years. So that's the real answer to attracting talent. I think you know this. You can get a lot more people that are raw, that want to get in, but where you have to spend more money than you are spending or your time is on the cultivating of people, not uh, Johnny's not Johnny's not good. You know, like you got to end when you know the bottom five aren't good. You need to turn them and get rid of them in a nice way, in a human way, but they're taking up too much energy. I would draw the message and uh, build this machine of attracting, of attracting this unexperienced people. I mean, get that's, it, get that's, it. that's 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 easy and er, and I'll explain why in a second. And and really matters to your marketplace. So I have a very good understanding of the global market, but. I'm, I'm not as up to date as I wish I could be on the Bulgarian market. So we have to talk about it. And I thought I might've walked in when James Orsini was talking about TikTok and why I like it. You know, to me, it's always the same game. You know, what I do know about Bulgaria with YouTube and Facebook is 
and Instagram is there's scale there. And I, I believe for all of you from, you know, Christy with Red Vines to you to everybody, everybody is underestimating how much you can build a brand and build a business through social media branding. Branding. Uh, and so some people decided finally you can do business through social media selling. But where the big disconnect in the world is social media branding. So, George, you know, the other thing is, how do you acquire somebody in Bulgaria who wants to maybe be a real estate agent? It's you, preferably, or somebody else making videos that say, are you happy with your job? Are you happy? Would you like to get into this industry? If you're naturally a good people person and you have good work ethic, this is a very lucrative industry. Come and fill out this form on Google Form, which then you would make a very good Google Form where you would ask them to make a video, you know, after they answer a bunch of questions. And then you and your team would go through a lot of them. But the applicants would come in heavy if you ran a very smart YouTube pre-roll campaign where you were making the videos. And it was against interests like soccer, proper football, or against real estate, you can go broad of things that everybody likes in the country, food and wine, I know, in the area, proper football, but also your expertise. And then you can see how the numbers work. Are you getting better applicants from going broad because it's everybody, or are you paying more for very narrow real estate, but you're getting better applicants? You run that math. And that becomes the same thing for listings and awareness. It's just all, do people, like your game You've got 35 human beings that are working to find and sell. Your job is to build brand. It's no different to why, uh, you know, I didn't, I'll give you a good example. I don't think Ace and Jamie are here because they saw seven good ads on Instagram or Facebook and we kept retargeting them. We've built the best brand for what they do. This, once they became aware of this and, went through the mind process. They're like, this is a good arbitrage for us. Same for you, right? I mean, look what you're literally doing right now. Your background of your screen is my branding mechanism. Absolutely. So, so I think you've got to think about how to, if you're willing to be the content creator, I think that that is a very big, and then all you have to do, this is very crazy. It's only two simple things. It's going to sound so ridiculous, like a grandmother. You have to be yourself and tell the truth. Now, the way I'm myself is very unique, and that's probably why I've done well. When I speak the truth, I also have the skill set of seeing, you know, I don't like to say I see around corners, but I put in a lot of work to understand consumer behavior earlier than other people. And so between my uniqueness and my truth, which often most people don't agree with at first, but then it becomes reputation when you're right. You need to develop that over the next three to five years in the marketplace where all these two problems become a non-factor. And I think you do, what I mean by a non-factor is it starts coming to you instead of you chasing. The way you do that is in the underpriced nature of the social media platforms that are winning in the country. The end for everybody here. And then, and, then, and then real quick, I apologize because I'm answering a lot of times for everybody because I want this to be very valuable. And then when you pick, let's say, again, I'll just use Christy because I am a huge fan of Red Vines. Like, like, you know, what they're going to say on TikTok, which they know is more of a 15 to 30-year-old crowd, may be different than the ad they put on on Facebook, which might be older, where they may tap into nostalgia, whereas with 
TikTok, they may tap into something relevant in culture. Diff, you know, so you got to make different content. So if you go into LinkedIn and make videos, you're going to talk differently than you are as a pre-roll before a entrepreneurial piece of content on YouTube. I got it. I got it. Thanks, man. I, just, I, I really wanted to hear that because uh, since the last four years, uh, this is what brought our brand to the place that it's now and because we're following you for five years and we, we do all this and we have two podcasts and all those things that you're talking about. So the, the key there is is getting better at it. Yeah, like absolutely. even like like I've seen over the last eight years with my brand and with the businesses I'm associated with, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows, right? We're about to do a reorg on Team Gary and I'm so confident what's going to happen and it, I will be better at it in Q4 of this year than I've been the last year because we're just making a bigger commitment to being even better on Pinterest, even better. I mean, in the last month, you know, last three weeks on TikTok, I've done so much better because we've made a bigger commitment. We were at a seven, now we're at an 8.5. And what people, when I hear what you just said, my concern is it's kind of like exercise. You went from doing none of it now you're now you're doing some exercise, which is amazing. You're you're you've lost that kind of ridiculous ten extra pounds you really didn't need. But everybody here knows, even if they're good at working out, they've got another ten pounds, more cardio, more muscle. You could, you could, and that's how I think about social media content distribution. You, you if I can get much better the way I even have in the last three weeks, I can't even imagine how much everybody else can. So I think pushing yourself further on being a platform strategist really understanding the products every platform has and then trying new platforms especially when they have organic reach and the big like ones TikTok. like what my friend like, like tiktok huge i mean tiktok for you i know it's exploded in the country because we do the european business for them and is a great avenue to require new agents who are young Yes, I'm doing it already. I still have 7,000 followers only, but I'm on it. But the, good, but the good thing with TikTok is it does not have anything to do with uh, followers. With followers. Yeah, it's, exactly. completely, it, it's completely interest-based. Yep. Yep. I have literally, my last two videos, one got 24,000 views. The next one got 7.9 million. It's completely interest-based. I have 7.5 million followers. I can get 25,000 views on a video because nobody gave a Thanks, man. Love you. Cheers. Love you back. Uh, so we're going to head up to Seattle and we're going to talk to Jeremy real quick, who has a question uh, for you before we head to Ryan. Jeremy, go ahead. Hey, Gary. How are you? Thanks for the time today. So, you know, really focus for us is on uh, providing value to uh, our portfolio companies, right? And the, and the guys yeah. that which, which, which James and Joe have just been fantastic at, at, at helping. And so, uh, Joe is allowing me to be selfish, you know, for two minutes before it is that we get to Ryan. So thanks for that. So um, our business is investing into uh, making credit investments in the SME market across the country, right? So if you think about these companies that are past that friends and family, mom and dad, rich uncle round are raising money, but they're really not yet to a point to where the guys in Chicago, New York or London can actually afford to pay attention to them. We're writing these yes. kind of five, seven, $10 million checks. So the, the, I guess the two pieces it is for us is really our audience by which it is that we want to communicate and build um, either either brand value or or audience with is really the uh, 
uh, family office, wealth manager, ultra high net worth guys. The institutions and pensions are not our investors. That's just not how it is that we're set up. It's the so, so so Jeremy, I apologize. You're we're now talking about not you acquiring deal flow, but acquiring LPs. Uh, acquiring LP interest. Yeah, exactly. We we have a uh, an inordinate or a disproportionate amount of deficit to demand on deal flow, right? So every dollar we get in the door, we've got about $7 looking for it, which is, uh, you know, a first world problem. It's still a problem, but that first world problem, right? Got it. So, so you've, got, you've got companies you actually want to invest in. So you just need more, you want more capital into the fund. Right. So we're, we're raising capital into the fund. And so the two issues it is that we run into is I spent 20 years as an investment banker before moving from a uh, advisor banker standpoint, investing principally off my balance sheet and then raising a fund alongside that. And so part of that is, is going back to the market and the constituents. It is that normally we're the folks it is that we're writing checks on our behalf. Most of those guys, now we become competitors of, right? So it's, yes, a, that's right friendly to a certain degree, but adversarial to a certain degree as well. The, the challenge that we run into to a certain degree is the credit landscape is really made up of Apollo and KKR and Carlisle and like the big 800 pound gorillas and then a modicum of smaller guys. And there certainly is the adage as you're growing up that nobody ever got fired for investing in Apollo. And so, whereas we think that we may have something better and cooler and faster and shinier and all this other kind of the guy that's managing half a billion dollars of somebody else's money may love me, but if it goes bad, he could lose his job. If it goes bad for putting 10 million bucks on Apollo, nobody's going to blink. I know it well. I know your landscape well. I understand. And then on the other side of the equation, you have too many high net worth individuals who want to do it themselves and don't want to pay a big, right? Like, you know, as everyone, you know, it's, it's kind of for a lot of people, especially in my emerging class, it's more to do with themselves. They want to do it themselves. So there's that kind of like sweet middle that you really need to win on, right? Yeah, and I think that we've done a good job of that. And it's certainly not a back pad of any time, but the, the, the big headache it is that we had is that ultimately we're going to make the move it is to move out of the middle and do from a principal position. I wanted to make sure that we created something that was markedly different than the other thousand credit funds that are out there because there's no point in just being another flavor of vanilla ice cream, right? Like, so you, know, you got French vanilla and vanilla bean, and, like, no, not yep. interesting. Yep. Right? Yep. So the, the contract by which it is that we created, I think, while I'm confident creates a degree of parity, it is that becomes attractive to the family office offices because we're not locking up capital long-term. I'm not charging them a management fee. We're not using leverage. All of those normal points of consternation it is that you have between. So, 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 so you're winning on the product, right? You're winning on the financial arbitrage. You've got a better financial, you know, uh, opportunity for the person on the other side. Totally. Yep. Now, so, what, what, what's the size of the check of norm uh, currently of like your normal LPs and, and are they really for the most part family offices or do you do get some high net worth individuals who don't want to do the work or have their own family office and, and view you as a good option? Yeah. So individuals. So for the, the old rich guy kind of individual checks, these are, you know, a hundred grand to maybe a million for the uh, family offices and that kind of thing. These are two to five, two to $7 million checks a piece. And then ultimately on the other side, the portfolio companies that is what we're investing in, I'm writing kind of two to $10 million checks. Sure, man. I think, um, you know, just to get to the punchline, because I've got enough context, 
I think the biggest thing that people don't understand is every company in the world right now is actually a media company. Like when I think about your business, I say to myself, even the way you were just talking, which built up this, it would probably would have been my answer anyway, but it gave me more conviction. You know, I say to myself, if I can convince Jeremy to do a podcast and interview entrepreneurs, LPs, family office executives, you'd be stunned. Guys and gals who have not returned your email, either with a good career that you've had, to your point, because it's just, you know, it is what it is, you'd be stunned if there's that plum family office and that person you kind of want to have a relationship with and you kind of knew them from back in the day, but they just haven't been responsive. When your email in the title says, hey, Carl, hey, Kyla, would love to have you on the guest of my podcast to talk about family offices, you would be flabbergasted. I mean, people like, like, cause if you have the DNA of Mark Cuban or Ray Dalio or Mike Novogratz or Michael Rubin, you actually say no, yes to these things. Like I watch this, this is like my great fascination of how big this arbitrage is. You can't get the four people I just mentioned ever. You're a cockamanian tier four podcast and you say you wanna be on and one out of nine times they say yes. So for me, why I like that is not only do I want you to do that podcast and kind of very on a hot take intuitively think you should be the host of it. And then you do successful entrepreneurs like the one you have here in that stage, tastemakers from the game like me for awareness. Literally, literally the people you're trying to say, have, you know, sell to as a guest, which is like a mitzvah and a half. And and, and then what's really cool is LinkedIn is such good organic reach. It's people are going to cry in 10 years when they realize they missed this golden era of LinkedIn that happened in 2017 through 2023, where you can just post and people would see it. And then much like the content model I do, not only do you do that, the whole episode, but you take one little clip where somebody says something viral and you chop that up, you get one viral clip on LinkedIn, you'd be, I, I don't know how to say it other than you'd be downright fascinated how easy it is to close business. I'll, you know what the comp is? It's the media equivalent of how sad it is that sometimes getting sideline passes to a football game, taking somebody out for a golfing round to a club you can't get into, having a steak dinner with a $4,000 bottle of wine because the person's a huge wine collector. Humans make ridiculous big business decisions predicated on very little proxies that just happen to hit them on their interests. For you, you know, the right clip of a family office person getting a hundred thousand views on a LinkedIn and them getting an email from a buddy that they admire or someone they admire or old college friend saying, you looked great on this show. You'd be stunned where your firm would be in two years. It's always the same game. The first two answers, build the moat that comes to you. But what's amazing about what I'm telling you to do here is you're actually hosting the dinner party. You're throwing the high school party, your podcast. You're going to get the people you're trying to sell to be your guests. Yeah. And so we're doing the podcast now. So we're about 15 or 17 episodes in of exact that strategy that you're talking about. And Ryan's come on. So let, let's, let, let, yeah, let's break it down. The yeah. 15 to 17. How many of those guests are actually the decision maker at a family office that you would like to do business with? Um, 
of the family offices, none. So this has been other uh, fund managers, entrepreneurs, big business guys, friends of ours that we've helped go public, that kind of a thing first, right? Rather than reach. Yep. I want you, I want you now that you have 15 to 17 in of the next third 15 guests. I want five of them to literally be the human that you want to pitch to be part of your fund. But none of that gets brought up in recording them to be on the show. Perfect. Can do. Where are, are you posting clips of the podcast in video or audio form for its entirety on LinkedIn from your company's profile or your profile? Links to the entirety, yes, not um, not chopping it up. It is in little bite-sized pieces and doing it across. Right. Social. So you're 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 posting a link to the audio out of LinkedIn, correct? That's that's correct. Haven't chopped it up and done that purely just from fucking resources. To be honest with you, more you know. That, that's the answer. Yep. The investment of the resources to make sure it's done on video, in Zoom, in real life, to then put fully in video and fully five clips per episode into LinkedIn because it gets crazier now, Jeremy. You can then run ads against employees of organizations. Mm. So check this out. Now you did the video thing that I need you to do. Now there's a good clip that organically did well, which is the market then tells you affirmation. Then you take that clip and you run it against all of the employees of Apollo, BlackRock, all of the, you know, some of the firms you're going at that are family offices might be big enough to hit the radar on LinkedIn targeting. It's really quite scary how effective this actually is. Excellent. Thank you. Right. You're welcome. And uh, we're going to zip over to Ryan Hogan, who's one of Jeremy's investments at uh, Hunt a Killer. Ryan, go ahead. Ryan, give me the context of what you're sending people. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's evolved over the years. We initially started off as a, well, I, I guess if you, if you, rewind about seven years ago, I used to have an event called Run Fear Lies, which was the first ever zombie infested 5k obstacle course race. Um, we scaled that nationwide back in 2011, um, 12, we had our peak year 13, that um, that whole scene collapsed, um, Tough Mudder and Warrior Dash made it through a, a few more years. Um, but did it collapse because there was too much supply? Uh, it, like there was too it, it many, collapsed. like every like every like there was like 900 of them yeah i mean not only were we competing at that point with warrior dash and tough mudder but then every farm started seeing you know tens of thousands of people on their property over any given weekend um yeah. and thought that they could do it themselves and then um yeah, and then course. color run and and foam yes. run and everything else coming in yep, supply so, understood um so fast forward to 2016 um we launched another event called Hunt a Killer. And Hunt a Killer was basically, we, we used the same sort of concept that we used in 2010, which is we looked across the industry at different types of experiences that people were gravitating towards. Um, 2016 was, um, you know, the off-Broadway's um, immersive theater, like um, Sleep No More. Um, you've got escape rooms coming over from Europe and Asia. You've got um, uh, obstacle races, which are still kind of prevalent. And so for us, it was all about, okay, well, how do we take these three things, combine them into just one gigantic immersive live experience? Um, and that's when Hunt a Killer um, came about and we transformed a 200 acre campground into a living crime scene. Um, 
the first event went great. The problem was is that it just didn't scale. So when you think back to obstacle races, you, we can make a million, million and a half in any given weekend. For this, to keep it immersive and, and distort reality, we, we couldn't have thousands of people sitting around um, a, a, a staged crime scene. Um, and so we looked at a different type of business model, 2016, loot crates, birch boxes, everything else. We said, okay, let's evolve this immersive storytelling concept into a subscription box platform. Um, we did that and, and that really became uh, the flagship of Hunt the Killer, which was episodic deliveries each month of uh, clues, items, and correspondence that arrived directly to our detectives' doorsteps. Um, it went great over the, the next few years, but we saw the same thing that um, both Birchbox and Loot Crates and everybody else that's in that space, which is you're just, it's a game of, of increasing pack and, and trying to, to fight off churn. Uh, so for us, it was about diversification um, and different things that we could do. So, you know, right now our focus is really on diversification of revenue streams. We're currently sitting on the shelves of Target, um, Amazon. We've got licensing deals with Nancy Drew, Agatha Christie, um, Lionsgate. How much, how, much how, how much is it? Uh, depends on the experience. So if it's a subscription, um, it's 30 bucks a month. If you're buying us off the, the shelves of Target, it's $30 for a single experience. One's episodic, the other is, is all in one. I understand. Keep going. So um, I guess that was the, the whole background. The future for us is really about digital. Um, you know, licensing is going great from an inbound standpoint. Now we're really looking at outbound. At the heart, we are a media company. We've known since day one we're a media and entertainment company. And so other ways that we can monetize and license that um, is very interesting thought, to us. Have you thought about standing up original characters from the original game and launching an NFT project? We're not, we're not that sophisticated yet. He has we haven't not. felt that good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's, um, what's crazy, I, what's I, crazy I, about it, what's crazy about it is it's, you know, I've done $51 million in revenue on VFriends in the first 68 days. Now, before you say yes, you had a big platform, this and that, Board Ape Yacht Club, which came out of nowhere, has done hundreds of millions in the same 67 days. If you were to take and create your versions of Colonel Mustard and Sherlock Holmes and really go deep into character creation, because you're right, you know, you know, you know what's happening with Nancy Drew and all that. You become a platform, but then dilution and oversaturation. And you know, it, you you've been through two rodeos of oversupply and saturation. So you know exactly what's gonna happen with the licensing part. It'll, it'll be that continued game. You can run that game longer, but, but what you wanna be is the brand more so than renting out the, you know, the platform, I think. And I think you're stepping in poop right now, being part of this for these in the moment where I think I'm sitting at the forefront of the knowledge base of this and I think your game and your whole concept that you are a media company, like you have to make a movie, a television show, a Netflix show, a video game, an iPhone game, or an NFT project, or you're not gonna get, you're gonna get to some sort of new version of what you felt already twice, which is fine. I already know why Jeremy invested in you. Like you show me an entrepreneur that continues to pivot and I'll show you, and, and actually successfully pivot for moments of time. I'll show you an entrepreneur that's somewhere along the line gonna find the thing that they don't have to pivot out of. So I love it. I'm like listening with like smiles. I really think you need to spend 25 hours of your personal time in, a, in the next two weeks, three weeks, and really understand what the 
is going on with NFTs because I think you can change your business forever. Interesting. Um, that's a hard pivot. I, I wasn't expecting to get into NFTs. I, so. I, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's not even because I have a bug for NFTs right now. It's because I know what's going on. I know that if you have the creative chops, which I don't know if you do or don't, or if you teamed up with somebody did, that could create, call it 25 core characters from this game. And then you made, you know, 400 tokens of each of them, made a 10,000 token play and went into the CryptoPunks board APR club kind of, you know, uh, environment uh, that if God forbid, AKA God willing, it went viral. Not only would you make millions on that execution, it would then trickle down to your core business and give you a spike in that business that you wouldn't even understand. Interesting. Um, and the other interesting part, I mean, the the television shows, the the book deals, we've got a, a book deal with Scholastic, it'll hit shelves this um, this fall. So like, we're doing all of those things, which is very exciting, but we, we don't necessarily own it. So it, it's what you're talking about. We're continuing to build the, the Hunt and Killer brand is extremely important. Um, it's the only, it's actually the only thing you have. Hmm. Like, I don't care what you're doing currently with it. Like I do, because you do and Jeremy does because that's your current PNL. But in real life, you're in the Smurfs, Scooby Doo, V Friends, Pokemon, Sherlock Holmes, you know, Nancy Drew business. And and you've got to triple down on that part, not, hey, we don't have a big enough brand. We have this idea. Oh, we're good salespeople and tenacious entrepreneurs, and we're getting intellectual property to rent with us, JBing. It's giving us exposure. But every human really sees you as an afterthought when they buy it at Target. It's, they're not buying you, they're buying Nancy. Um, and you've got to become Intel, right? Like, like nobody thought about chips inside in that scenario. Like you have to build the brand of we're powering all these things, which I think is a very diminishing return hard game, or you get people to really give it about Donald the detective through this incredible arbitrage called NFTs, which then trickles down to your core business profitably. You like make a ton of money if you hit on the NFT. It's something I really, really want you to spend 25 hours on for a million different reasons. It will be, by the way, this is the answer to everybody in the room, and including Jeremy, who's in finding like, this is something that has to be understood the way that internet 1.0 had to and the way that social media had to. There's very big things going on in that world. It is far, it's the furthest thing from a fad that I can think of. The question becomes, do you have the character development capabilities? And if you don't, how do you do that? Because that'll be part of the equation, you know? I guess the, the other question I would have is outside of NFTs, I, I mean, you're, you're deeply familiar with the space and the headwinds that direct consumer has right now. You know, as, yep. as we look at people um, uh, reintegrating into society, as we look at um, Facebook and privacy and everything else that's going on right iOS now. 14, iOS 14 yep. is a challenge, no remarketing. Uh, I would become a master expert in TikTok ads and organic reach. Your business can explode and weather the storm if you became exceptional at, at TikTok influencer creator marketing. And, and TikTok ad buying and creative. My preference, which is where I started, Rye, is that they're talking about Donald the detective, not necessarily 
the, you know, the Finding Nemo version of the platform. You know what I mean? Because I want you to win twice. I don't want you to just win on the short-term CAC LTV business. I want to get you religious about what you're actually doing, right? Like, like, you know, I would tell you that, for example, with James on the call here, James... <clears throat> Gary, you went on mute. Yeah, you went on mute for some reason, yeah. Sorry about that. I'll tell you why I did. My pinky touched it. Sorry about that, everyone. You know, James's career with me has been different than the way he's navigated because I was playing a different game of brand, not operational PL. So there was probably a lot of, you know, I'm speaking for him, maybe he'll bring it up later. There was probably unique decisions at the time that felt foreign or different, or he's a bright dude. So he was like, I wonder why he's doing that. I'm sure I'll think, you know, I wonder if right, wrong, or indifferent, worked or didn't it was that I was religious about knowing what I was building. And you know, for, for me, what excites me about your business, my friend, is if you're religious about understanding, you need to create characters in your game that people, like the fact that I can bring up Colonel Mustard is the reason Clue still sells. Yep. Um, Great points, and a part of that is uh, in, in the license. Can I, can I give you a seven. right? Can I give you? I apologize. Can I give you a left field one? The reason I want yeah. you to make is you want to make a Halloween costume like I've been doing with V Friends. Once you figure out TikTok influencers, you get one to wear it. That becomes your own. And your business forever has changed. By developing the characters, you go into the home run business. Anything then can happen. Right now, you're in the Maurice and Birchbox. I was I wrote the first check at the Birchbox. You can Google the story. It was at Starbucks, they fried the whole thing. Like the reason it lost is when you're in the conversion sales business, not the overall brand business, you eventually die. Um, hey. it's, it's why it's why mascots work, right? And I, I just think you have a huge opportunity because you are in the media business. But I don't. But I want your characters to not be like faceless. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I mean, do you think that they become the sub brand of of Hunt the Killer? Like Hunt the yes. Killer becomes the umbrella yes. in which they are they, always let, a let part me, of. Of course, of course. You've heard of Disney, but you also know who Mickey Mouse is. And let me give you some news. Mickey Mouse and Snow White is why you know Disney, not the other way around. All right, guys, we got to move forward. Um, thank you very much, Ryan, for sharing that. Uh, Russell, uh, down in California, you're up next. I apologize, Russell, before you go. Ryan, one last thought, which is to the question you thought we were going to answer. It will be TikTok ads that save your butt on Jack and LTV. Thanks. That was the main question. I know it was, which is why I brought it to the end. Go ahead, Russell. Excellent. Thanks, Gary. So we are, my company, YMash Capital, is a mortgage broker in the Bay Area. We are more of a B2B model than B2C. Yep, I'm aware. Um, and so what we do is we partner with tax pros and financial planners, get them licensed, and teach them how to provide mortgages for their clients. I totally and this, understand. this is important because it is illegal to pay someone a referral fee in our industry. I'm so aware of they all actually that have to do, they have to do the work, 
And what I did is I actually created a proprietary system that makes it very easy for them to do all the steps and do all the work without actually really knowing everything. Okay. I understand. Cool. Um, so I started working in this family business in 1991, came up with these ideas that everyone said, no, you can't do it that way. And, you know, I did all the research and over several years came up with the systems. Um, in 2015, the founders decided to retire and I was passed over to inherit the company. It was given to my little brother and the other founder's son. Uh, my father was one of the founders, okay? In 2018, they fired me, kicked me out of here. Why? And my wife and I, I'm sorry? Why? They didn't like the fact that the IP was owned by another company where I was one of the owners. We have a software company I that's see. owned by... Three people. I see. They, so they didn't they like decided, that. They, dis, they, they decided. Like, they decided I was a danger because I had ownership in the tools that made them all their money. So they knew I had permission to start my own company anytime I wanted to and actually take the I IP. See. I see. So they, they were. They, were, they fired me in 2018. Um, my wife and I started a new company, Tradmore, in 2018, which is another brokerage, which is tiny. Because it's really hard to start from zero, you know that. Um, and then my brother and his partner realized they don't like running a company, they don't like mortgages, so I bought them out May first of last year. Interesting. Okay. Um, last year was the company's best year since 2012. Um, back in 2012, the company was twice as big. So I've I've brought some different changes that I wanted to do now that it's mine. Um, I changed the compensation plan for the agents. I'm reaching out a lot more to my agents, trying to make them feel supported. You're um, running the action. You're actually running the business. <laughs> that's what I'm doing, and and there's been a lot of mismanagement over the years, Frank. Yep. Um, so I'm trying to do everything I can to increase morale. It's been really tough since we can't get together, you know, because we were basically forced to close right before I took over. Um, and so everything's been virtual now instead of meeting in person. Um, right. But I try to reach out to all my best people several times a week. Hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? Um, I, I made sure to meet with each of them at Christmas time, went to their homes and brought them a gift, which the company's never done. Just all kinds of stuff. I, I've got, goodness, I've got, the, I've got the full context of this story. Let's get into the question. I understand what's Beautiful. happening. So my question is, because what we do is, how do I get the message out to the independent CPAs, tax pros, financial planners to entice them into listening to the message so they want to offer the service to their clients? Um, have, do you know what is going on with Facebook groups? Um, I'm in several Facebook groups, but what do you mean? I believe that Facebook groups for this kind of scenario are an incredible super weapon. I think your company should start many Facebook groups and you should hire after, you know, you, either you or, cause you've got, you've got what I've got, which is like, you like scaling unscalable things. Yeah. Cause you know, that's how, cause you know, that's how business is done. So now what I'm gonna do for you is try to give you a model that scales unscalable things that are still unscalable, but are much more scalable than what you're doing, right? I love it. Facebook groups. So for example, that's a couple questions. Is the business regional by nature or no? 
So each state has its own licensing requirements. So we are yep. in California and Utah right now. Perfect. Um, Let's start there. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. I think you should take the seven biggest cities in those two or the seven, your favorite cities to target because maybe SF and LA and even Salt Lake City might be too competitive. But let me tell you what I would do. I, if you create many different Facebook groups that are either broad or narrow, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the Salt, literally this is what you name your group, the Salt Lake City Mortgage and Real Estate Friends Group. That's it. Okay then you run Facebook ads against real estate employees or real estate interests or whatever the targeting capabilities are of Facebook right now in that area, right? You promote it. You look at your current business and figure out what city, like what, what I want you to do is get the industry into your Facebook group where you're the host, a bigger, slightly different version of what I just told Jeremy to do. Jeremy, higher touch, bigger checks. I want him to host the party own the podcast. I know what he's done for his 15, 17 guests, but notice the little tweak, Jeremy, two things. You got to get the fun, you got to get the decision maker to be your guest because you're going to get a relationship and you need to make video and create content. For you, I want you to stand up Facebook groups. I believe Facebook groups is one of the incredible arbitrages because you're basically becoming the PTA, the chamber of commerce virtually. The virality, Russell, is insane. If you run ads and spend 2000 bucks and get 91 people, let me say that number again, 91 people into that Facebook group mm-hmm. for the Fresno real estate and mortgage friends group, you are going to wake up. If you work it, put in, put in questions, say hi to people. If you work it, which is why you have to scale this a little bit, you will wake up one day in seven months and go, how does this have 9,000 people in it? Okay. What's amazing about that 500, 700, 9,000 people is they're so targeted. And just like the book I wrote, Jab, 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 Right Hook, when you're just putting out good information, you're talking about the market, you're talking about family, work-life balance, it's a friends group. You're jabbing. But then every 12th time, first of all, they're going to look at your bio. Who's this guy that started the group? And in your bio, you're going to have a link to your business. So you're not even going to have to say it. They're going to start asking you questions like, Russell, what do you do? You will be flabbergasted what a Facebook group can do for your business model. Awesome. That's a now, completely different direction than I thought you were going to take me. So cool. It's good. It's always like, where do you think? And you've got the rest of my team there because I put out enough information on that. You can cross your T's and I's the rest of the day. But again, much like NFTs for the last answer, please spend, Russell, and I know you will already, which is why I love the context of the first three minutes, spend 10 hours reading and watching YouTube videos about Facebook groups. Okay. Don't, pay for, don't pay for courses from all those internet spammers. There's plenty of good information on YouTube of how to run a Facebook group, but it will work, brother. It will work if you make them very regional. Don't make it California because now you compete, it's too general. You want to win regionally. Got it? Fresno, Sacramento. You can go even smaller. You may know where there's a hot pocket where you want to do business or where you used to do business really well and you want to reboot it. It could be a city. It doesn't even have to be a town. You know, like you can go very narrow if you want. That's how you can do it. But then you've got to be the Pied Piper and the mayor in there or start to mm-hmm. hire one person underneath you to scale it. Very cool. 
Thank you very it's much. Gonna, it's going to work. You're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. Next, we're going to talk to Dylan. Dylan, who's also in California. Say hi to Gary V. Hey, Gary. Hey, Dylan. Dylan. So I far away my question right now, right? Yep. Go for it. All right. Awesome. So I have two main questions. One relates to branding. Uh, the other one relates to um, hiring and training. So I follow with the branding first. So um, from you know the way that you do branding, uh, Gary, I can see it's somewhat. It has a really a big overlap between your business and also your branding. You know, audience, people that are entrepreneurs, people that are you know want, are hustlers, right? Um, so I feel like there's a good mix there. For me, um, you know, our product is keep grinding. And when it comes to content, there's just so much you can talk about when it comes, you know, bruxism, teeth grinding, stress. So one of the things I thought about was, you know, talk about things that people that are in teeth grinding might be interested in, what our targeted audience would be interested in. Maybe, you know, when we run ads, we can see the demographics and interest and all of that. So we could create other related type of topic to talk about, uh, you know, like maybe yoga, maybe meditation, maybe, yep. you know, stress ma management, but not really to oh. teeth grinding. Right. Uh, so my question is, how do I play the game of personal branding versus business branding? So I can come from an angle of personal branding and talk, you know, even talk about things that aren't related to, you know, our dental business at all. Maybe it's talk about my uh, challenges as a business owner. Right? Yeah. Or, or, um, or, or, or like I do with the jets and garage selling or, you know, wine or that you like fishing. The answer is going to be right. both, Dylan. I am blown away by people's um, fascination with or. The answer is both. And. Right. You do them both to the both. best. It, yeah, you and the company's handle. Right. Doing the best it can. Yes. By the way, I don't want to be a dead horse. I genuinely believe your product could go viral on TikTok. Hmm. Okay. We're showing that with Harvest Dental right now, Gary. And. Uh, a couple, a couple of people on TikTok uh, doing a lot of stuff with dentures, believe it or not. Okay, thanks for the answer. So, not at all. Uh, aware, I mean, one of the first major TikTok breakouts. Gary, we lost you. You might want to turn your video off for a minute to let oh. your phone boot back up. Can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, go ahead. Oh, um, I, I, I lost you for a while there. I, I, I wasn't really, I thought it was my internet yeah. connection problem. No, it was, it was mine, Dylan. So yes, the answer is both. And, right. and I bring up the TikTok thing because I, and James brought up the dental thing. I think you can really, if any consumer product like you, especially yours at the price range and what the benefits are for stress, mental health. Like you can make one video once you understand TikTok, which may take several months. That's like cramming for your tests and struggling. It's actually your teeth grinding. And for some reason, it just goes. It, you can't believe what I'm seeing with one post on TikTok changing DTC business results. Yeah, that was... That was very interesting. We mentioned about one video you had over a million views. The other one was just 27,000 where, you know, it's interest-based, not follow-based. So definitely going to be testing that out. Um, the second question is actually related to, um, you know, what you just talk about, which is the video going viral, which is our production capacity, because everything is handcrafted. Um, so, you know, the scaling of the business is, uh, is 
hinges strongly on how much production, how many, you know, trained technician we can hire and train. Um, here in the Bay Area, you know, cost is relatively high. And uh, as a technician, uh, you know, you're really not gonna get paid a lot of money initially because it's a skill-based. So you're, you acquire skill as you, you know, um, as time go on. So it's not a really attractive uh, career per se initially because, you know, you're really just being a, um, uh, what is apprentice um, initially. So the, uh, our hiring and training strategy right now with, you know, one of the pointer I picked up, you know, one of the earlier answers you, you had to uh, the other, um, I forgot his yep. name, but the first one, yep. invest, yeah, invest heavily on Heavy. the training. If, of if, the if you, if you and George made content that, that I'm going to be paying you for me to train you, your whole deal flow of talent would change. If you and George made the same video that said, we have done this internally in our company so that we're literally paying you while we're actually training you. So not like college where you pay to get something that helps you get a job. We're gonna be paying you on your job and we're gonna be training you. You'll have a totally different funnel of people coming to you. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's, you just, I think that's- You just, you, you just have, to make, you, you have to make those videos. You have to put them on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn and get good at it, TikTok, and then that will then change that flow. It will work. Thanks for uh, confirming that. Yeah, so um, that's one of the things we played, uh, not played, but one of the factors we stress during the interviewing process, explaining to them why their initial pay is low because of their lot of training, a lot of education going on. And um, um, yeah, I think I, that's the next thing we're going to be doing is actually launching some campaign, like you said, the paid ad campaigns, and really target the people in our local area and talk about this point and some of the other key points of why they should start a career as a dental technician and really make, play make, that yeah. and change the funnel. Make, make the video punchy, fast, and contextual. Send it to a landing page that explains it in detail. The mistake that most people make in your situation is they try to explain everything in the video and then the video doesn't do well. Make the video interesting, thumb-stopping with a link to the full description. Right. Okay, sounds good. Um, that's really awesome. all I have. Thanks a lot. Good. I had a quick follow on about uh, how to find in influencers in each of their niche. Is there any recommendations you have? Is it work with an outsource agency? Is there a tool you prefer? When you say out, what do you, what do you, I want to make sure I get clarity on that. Can we get clarity on that? When you say influencers, we're talking Jeremy now, like guests, the, like what, Jeremy, you ask like the guests that you're looking for? No, when you're talking to Christy and each of these guys, you're talking to identify the, you know, the top. Yes, got it, got it, got it. How, uh, if, how do each of these if, guys go do that and find those guys? If you, if you go to Google right now and you say the top followed people on TikTok or the top ranking podcasters, you literally have your answer in two hours. Awesome, thank you. Thanks, Gary. And then what happens, usually those lists are only top 100 or top 1000, Jeremy, and then you start digging, right? You, you start looking like, like you're, you get into the trenches of Instagram and TikTok and you just start clicking around of like who's following who and what, and you just see verified check marks and you start just, it's actually like research work, you know, but it's all there. All right, team, looking forward to it. Um, I, uh, 
I, I apologize that we ran out of time, but that's in a weird way, Ace, Jamie, that's gonna end up being good news because I have a weird feeling it's gonna work out for you. So I'll see you soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye-bye. As we end today's podcast, I wanna give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away, which were our favorites this week. Thanks so much, Gary. This amazing five-star review reads, listening to your podcast is the best mindset challenge I've ever done. I take notes, spread awareness, and wake up thankful. Thank you so much for that amazing review. And to anybody else listening out there, if you leave us a review, you might just get shouted out in the next episode.